Hello, and welcome to the Hidden Worlds podcast, where we talk about the experiences of art and magic in the search for meaning. I am your host, J.S. Groves, author, artist, sorcerer, and madman. In this episode, I interviewed John Lenz. John is a multimedia artist operating out of the Kansas City metro area, where he manages at Aquarius Books. Uh, his academic background is in interior design and sculpture, uh, but he is a multimedia artist. He has also studied a variety of magical traditions, including eclectic Wicca and chaos magic, since 1980. Full disclosure, while Aquarius Books and Vulcan's Forge are different stores, they also share a roof, and we are, while not technically co-workers, by no means strangers. Anyway, with that out of the way, John had some really interesting things to say about his art and experiences, and I hope you all really enjoy the interview. On with the show! Welcome, uh, John, to the Hidden Worlds podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for asking me. You, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. You do so many kinds of art, and uh, that is <laughs> a, no, a thing I, I, I love. In case your readers don't, or your, your listeners don't know, I'm, I work at Aquarius, and I kind of joke around that uh, I have two degrees in art. Would you like some incense with that? I, 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 have, uh, I have a classics degree, and I set things on fire, which is what I did before I got the classics degree. And <laughs> I actually kind of love that, now that it's here. <laughs> um, so you do photography, painting, sculpture, masks, printmaking, graphic design, mm -hmm. interior design, costuming. Have I missed anything? Um... There's a lot more things that I don't know yet, and um, th that's kind of one of the things that leads me on is that there are more techniques and more things that I have let to learn. Um, in, in college, my professors were like, just stick to a studio major, you know, focus on, on it's like, no, there's way too much to learn, and I only have so much time here, so <laughs> no. No, there's there's uh, there's always more for me to learn and more to do. So, um, uh, if I'm alive, I'm still learning new things. Awesome, awesome. Uh, the, an enviable uh, and admirable stance. Uh, you said for your first thing was photography, right mm -hmm. out of high school. Mm -hmm. Was that your first love or just the first thing? It was my dad's love. Um, my uh, my dad was good friends with. Um, the owner of the local small town newspaper. And uh, he arranged um, a job for me um, doing photography for the newspaper. Um, I didn't really know much about photography at the time, except, you know, I learned how to take a picture. But uh, I, I got thrown in and learned how to do uh, darkroom work and uh, uh, Everything from soup to nuts when it comes to photography uh, for a newspaper. And then I went into graphic design because of that, that was an easy transition. That, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, and one of the things I did at the newspaper was uh, I would do weekly ad layups for the grocery store. So um, that was another skill set I learned that kind of led into graphic design and, and when the ancient days when you actually had to wax things up and cut them out and press them onto a board to, to do layup. 
I'm, I'm familiar with it in theory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, long fascinated by photography, but it was the dark room that turned me off of it until digital hit a certain level mm-hmm. of affordability. Um, and believe me, I do enjoy digital photography so much better. <laughs> so uh, what is your favorite? Or, or is the next thing always the favorite? Oh, gosh. Yes, I'm asking about your favorite child. My, I'm my not favorite. supposed to do it. My favorite position. No, um, my favorite. That's a hard one. I call myself a mixed media artist for the very simple reason because I like to put all of those things together. Um, I love printmaking. I love uh, encaustic painting. I love uh, photography and blah, 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 all of it. So I don't know that I can put a favorite. I mean, I've had some amazing experiences when I was doing a sculpture that were, were very mystical and we touched on that earlier when we were talking. Um, anything that's going to lead me to a mystical experience being creative is my favorite thing. How about that for an answer? Oh, that's a great answer, uh, especially for this venue. So um, let's, uh, let's just go there and kind of come back to individual okay. arts later. Uh, you're, you, you've touched on that theme now and in our, in our pre-talk, um, the mystical nature of art. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean to you? Um, what, what does that feel like? What does it feel like? Um, there's, there's something especially magical about creating art and being in, in the moment and being in the flow and creating art. And, um, uh, I decided a long time ago that that feeling is my favorite drug. And I love uh, that sense of creativity flowing through me. Um, uh, the, the very first time that um, I, I created a stone sculpture, um, I'd gone out and picked up a piece of chalk rock in western Kansas off the side of the road and took some of my dad's rusty files and um, started just hacking away at this stone. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like they weren't my hands doing it. Um, and it was like watching watching my hands do this thing. And you know, part of me was amazed that I was watching this unfold kind of as the observer, but I was at the same time doing it and and creating it but it wasn't me it was me um to me that's the that's the real magic in creation is is letting that stuff come through when um getting to say i made this word 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 up (laughs) no i i I don't always get that level of purity of my of experience in my own art. Oh well, so yeah, <laughs> it it doesn't happen to me every day. That's for sure. Um, but um, it's it's something I I do love to chase. Yeah. So uh, you said you got it first with sculpture. Does it happen more with sculpture, or just was that kind of the the first taste? Um, gosh, there is something about. 
um, working multi-dimensionally or three-dimensionally um, that feels very different from doing 2D art. Um, Michelangelo talked about uh, releasing what was there in the stone. And um, I, I was kind of, I don't have his genius, but I always kind of identified with Michael, Michael uh, that guy, Michelangelo. Um, I, I think he, he got something deeper than, than a lot of other artists. Um, so yeah, and, and being able to work three-dimensionally uh, and see and think three-dimensionally is, is, is a, a very different experience than painting, for example. So what kind of painting do you do? For years, most of my paintings were figurative, um, kind of doing paintings along the line of, of gods and angels and um, archetypes and um, the, 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 the beings that lurk in our, our cultural consciousness, um, you know, and So, um, yeah, I've done a lot of, of angels and gods. Uh, angels keep popping up in my, my artwork, except my angels don't have heads, and that really confuses people. Uh, <laughs> instead of a, um, a head, my angels have a void in the wings where the head might be. Um, and uh, people either think it's really cool or they can't read it. Um, so, yeah. I've seen a couple of those. They're, they're really interesting. The way you depict that is... Uh... The, a really interesting use of negative space, mm -hmm. actually very specifically mm -hmm. uh, from a technical standpoint. Um, there's, a, there's a theme that comes up in a lot of really old shit, um, which uh, is headlessness. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That's, uh, I think, the most the most recent and culturally intelligible iteration of it is uh, headless images of St. John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, uh, it's attested in the Greek magical papyri. Okay. Uh, there, there, there are a couple uh, spirits described as a kephalos, okay. which is to say without a head. Without a head. Um, and, uh, and uh, the earliest known are uh, divine figures at sites like uh, Gobleki Tepe and Katalhayuk, which uh, appear to be headless uh, bird divinities. Mm -hmm. And deliberately headless, not decapitated, uh, like there are divinities who have a lentil where there should be a head. Okay, uh, okay. For those people who can't see me gesticulating wildly at John, that's lentil <laughs> as in uh, a, a, uh, a rock that stands over to uh, to, to other rocks to yes, create a doorway. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, because of my interior design background, I knew immediately what you were talking about. <laughs> but um, that, in, in, in a sense, that's kind of what I'm trying to depict with the, the Headless Angels. Um, um, the concept that that angels are otherworldly beings and angels are not necessarily of this realm 
So obviously there's parts of them that don't exist in our realm. And um, in a lot of the uh, medieval depictions of angels, you know, uh, they're shown with a halo and, and often the halo is, is glowing so bright or the depictions are talked about, the, the, the glow was so bright they couldn't see the angel's face. Um, that's kind of the idea behind it, but it's just, it's more the fact that from a, from a Western cultural standpoint, the distinction between faceless and headless is semantic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we, we talk about the the head being um, the seat of the ego. Or, you know, we talked about ego in the pre-talk. Um, uh, that we even even as as um, physical creatures, we don't exist all in this plane. So, um, I guess my angels are informed that um, that it's beyond what we see and what we experience. I like it. That's fun. So coming back to kind of the the channeled aspect of art, for mm -hmm. lack of a better mm -hmm. word, my word, not yours. Um, I uh, I don't remember the word that you used in the pre-talk. Um, uh, one of the arts that you and I have in common is mask making. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, for me, at least, is I don't make masks trivially. Mm -hmm. I will on occasion set out to make a mask that represents a particular force, but even when I do that, it it's very much sitting with that current and letting it flow through. What is what is your mask making process? What is what is that what is that experience like for you? Hmm. I assume that there's there's some variance depending on like from one mask to the next. Yeah, there's not yeah. a universal um, process, but much like my uh, uh, ritual costume making and the mask making, kind of are the um, the same. They're a they're a a, a catalyst um, to allow something else to come through, um, um, like uh, in in hoodoo, um, of letting the gods ride you. Mm -hmm. And and we talked about this in the pre-talk about um, putting on a mask is is putting on another reality, um, um, metaphysically and um, emotionally. Um, and because of, of and I'm, I'm kind of randomly out, just, just shooting out here, a lot of my, my childhood had to do with emotional masks, of, of being, being the person someone wanted me to be or expected me to be. Um, um, because I was a preacher's kid, there were expectations on me that I was supposed to behave a certain way in, in certain situations. Um, so um, going back to your question, um, masks allow us to, um, to be something that we may or may not be. So my, my ritual masks tend to be um, about deity, um, about uh, shamanic principles, about shamanic ideas. Um, I, I've done. What does shamanic mean in this context? It's an extra wiggly word. An extra. It is an extra wiggly word, but I guess I was just throwing that wiggly word out there. Um, <laughs> um, and that's that's one to break down, isn't it? Um, I, I think all 
all forms of magic and all forms of religion have their 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 roots deep in shamanism and our um, our ability to connect with those unseen things we're talking about um, uh, unseen forces unseen uh, uh, energies um, so I think of I think of masks as as um, very primal um, and and when I use the word shamanic I I'm probably using something that's more um, more about primacy and being primal and being um, closer to less civilized I don't know I don't, I don't know I mean, I'm, I'm probably not being real good about describing what I'm what I'm saying there but uh, hopefully your listeners will get what I'm trying to get get across I think so I think so um, wasn't trying to push back against your word choice. Well, so I realized that that was yeah. a really wiggly word, and <laughs> yeah, 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 I need uh, to, I need to be more yeah. clear about that. So, so, uh, so your 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 mask work is about trying to access and make room for something outside yourself, something mm-hmm. bigger than yourself, yeah. um, and and discovering something that is outside of myself too. I mean, everything is about learning. And it's always about discovering something. So you, you you've told me uh, stories about a, a couple uh, a couple really impressive masks or mask experiences. Oh ah, yeah yeah. Um, the the one I've seen pictures of was your Ganesha mask, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, sounded super interesting both from a technical and uh, artistic and uh, magical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you mind talking about that one? A no, bit? yeah, yeah, sure. Um, on a uh, on a technical level, um, there's practical things involved. Like um, I am blind as a bat without my glasses. So most masks, you know, are when you slip on a rubber mask from the Halloween store, I am still perfecting my can see out them with yes. glasses designs for masks. And so by I, still yeah. perfecting, I mean utterly failing. I I had to start with the idea that. I have to be able to see out of it, and I have to be able to wear my glasses underneath it. Um, so um, I began. Uh, it was one of those serendipity things. I was I was hanging out in a thrift store looking for things to make a mask out of, and there was a hard hat. I'm like, a hard hat, huh? I could build the mask on the hard hat, and it would be so I could see out of it and still keep my glasses on and still not get fogged up. Um, so that was a practical consideration, and then um, the uh, the reason I created the Ganesha mask was for um, a, an event called Between the Worlds, um, and uh, it's a, it's a, an event for queer men, and um, the year that year that I went, um, the the patron deity was Ganesh, and so I created this mask and. Uh, the first night we were there was the the fancy dress ball, and uh, I had to have my friend lead me down the, the dark roadway so I didn't trip and fall. Um, but as we arrived, um, I, I walked into the ball, and people began to address me as Ganesh, and thanking me for um, their travel blessings and thanking me for boons that they had received from Ganesh in in uh, getting ready for that event. 
Um, it was a very powerful experience of not necessarily having Ganesh ride me, but having being an emissary for Ganesh and mm -hmm. knowing that Ganesh was present with me um, while that was going on. Um, so that was a, a really powerful experience for me. That's really interesting. There are there are levels of there are levels of mask work. Like you have the connection with the 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 power or the divinity. You aren't. Sometimes you are just an emissary, not a vessel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the popular metaphor goes, sometimes you have a backseat driver, and sometimes you're in the backseat, and sometimes you're in the trunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I've experienced that. Uh, yeah. I, uh, but it, it, they're, they're all very interesting and very different experiences. Mm -hmm. um, can you remember your first mask experience, mask transpossession experience? Um. My first mask trance experience. Um, no, I can't. But I can. I can tell you a really um, powerful one for me. Um, we. I was this. I was with a coven at this particular time, and uh, it was a teaching coven. And one of the things we were doing in preparation for Samhain was to. Um, go into a meditation and, and discover what mask we were supposed to create for Samhain, for the actual ritual. And uh, the high priestess had led us into a really, really good um, guided meditation where we were to, supposed to go to a temple and stand in, and there was supposed to be a mirror in the temple and we were supposed to stand in front of the mirror and see the mask that we were to create. And uh, so the whole thing, I'm in the temple, I'm in the, the room with the mirror, and as I'm standing in front of the mirror, on either side of me, behind me, I am seeing the goddess and the horned god. And uh, right as I'm trying to decide what I'm seeing for a mask, the goddess turned into a bear, and the god, of course, being the stag god, turned into a deer or a stag. And the, the face is merged in front of my face. And so the first mask that I created in that, in that realm was, um, was a, a, a stag-headed bear mask, uh, using that same principle with the, the hard hats and stuff. Mm. Um, and that's a mask that is super special for me because I, I don't bring that out for, for just any occasion. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds really intense. Sounds really intense. Um, so, I'd like to take a minute to talk about inspiration. You, uh, mm. you seem to draw a lot of inspiration from this d divine contact and channeling. You know, hearing the voice inside the rock, creating masks and. Mm -hmm in reflection of things seen visions the the angel paintings mm -hmm. um uh can you talk to me a little bit about that um 
No, these they are hard to talk about. Kind of, they're there's well, you know, it's not something they're I, mysteries I with the capital I've, M. I've, I've really thought a lot about, but uh, um, I, I've mentioned, and everyone knows that I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a double preacher's kid. Um, the the idea that deity is present um, is something that uh, I got as a very young child, um, and I don't suppose that um, I completely lost or that, that wasn't part of the the baby that went out with the bathwater when I lost Christianity because um, deity is is always present for me um, sometimes I don't remember but all I have to do is turn and and there is deity um, uh, of course we are all divine so um, don't have to turn very far <laughs> you know just have to turn depends, inward a little bit depends on the day depends yeah you're right it depends on the day <laughs> Um, and some <laughs> days I'm, I'm feeling less divine than others. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was something that uh, was always present. That, that deity is always there. Deity is always present. No matter how you define deity, which, you know, I can still be a good atheist and believe in deity. <laughs> and a chaos magician. <laughs> chaos magic for the win. Um, So what does inspiration mean to you? Inspiration. Um, you know, that thing that artists are always chasing. Yeah. Um, when, it, when it doesn't come to you from the divine, where, where do you seek it? You know, I think um, I spent a lot of my life chasing inspiration as an artist. And... Uh, um, at 55, I think I finally learned that chasing inspiration is really a fool's errand. Um, you don't chase inspiration. Um, inspiration comes or it doesn't, but I'm, I, 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 I'm going to mangle this Chuck uh, Close quote that um, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. Um, a real artist shows up and just gets to work. Um, and I, I, and I'm saying this in a dry spell in my art, but um, and this is self-talk here. Um, if you're if you're willing to show up and be present, then inspiration isn't something you have to chase. Something I see people talking about a lot in writer circles mm -hmm. too. Um, uh, if you're at your if you're at your desk at a certain time every day, inspiration knows where to find you. Yes, um, and I I do I have mixed feelings about that. Right, inspiration is real. Oh. The the muses are there, and sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, there there is no art that I do that doesn't have technical aspects that I can sit down and grind exactly. on while I'm waiting for the muse to help mm -hmm. fill out the soul of the piece. Yeah. Um, and and like one of my professors I can, in, in I art... can sit down and line edit while I'm trying to figure out what yeah. the fuck to do with the next scene. <laughs> and and one of my professors in art school talked about uh, the days he didn't feel like painting. Um, he would show up in the studio and stretch canvases. And um, if he was having a particularly long dry spell, then there would be a huge stack of canvases that were ready to go when he had the inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, sometimes it's it's about um, 
gessoing the paper or, or stretching the canvas or you know making the thing that you need to do to make the other thing mm -hmm. um, I enjoy I, I enjoy the process as much as anything um, a year or so ago I was teaching a uh, or it was a couple of years now uh, I was teaching a class on encaustic painting and the thing that I was really enjoying about it was I was creating my own encaustic paints. Um, I was, you know, taking the uh, Damar resin, I was taking the beeswax, and, and I was taking the pigments and creating um, um, paints, you know. And a lot of people don't, don't bother to do that you know you can go down to the store and get some perfectly good encaustic paint um it's already made for you um but that process of actually doing the hands-on i'm thinking about what i'm going to be making and it's it's rumbling around upside in my in my head um so yeah um the inspiration is wonderful i love inspiration but uh, there's other stuff to do, too. Word. So one of the things that I've been trying to talk with people about in, in this podcast is the visceral, emotional feeling of the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes that can be hard to put into words. And in the, the pre-talk for the show... We were talking about that I, I do I will select a theme to, to kind of mm -hmm. touch on mm -hmm. at some point. And you said specifically that you wanted to talk about how art helped you discover your autism and then how that discovery helped you understand what the work you'd been doing mm -hmm. all along. Um yeah, at at fifty five I um came to the realization that uh uh, I am an, on the autistic spectrum, um, and it kind of came as a, a lightning bolt out of the blue, and I'm, I'm not sure why that is, because, you know, it's, all the indicators were there. Uh, there was lots of testing that I went through as a kid, but in the 70s, um, I didn't... I uh, up through the mid to late nineties, if you were verbal, that's not yeah, a diagnosis. If you, yeah, you if you were if you were verbal, you were not you were not on the <laughs> autism spectrum. Um, but when when I made that discovery, it was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Um, it it doesn't change a damn thing, but it changes everything. Um, it, it's it's colored everything about my art. It's colored everything about. Um, my creativity it's about my process um it certainly has um colored all sorts of relationships um and, and in some sense i i'm just now getting to know mm -hmm. that and and and, and we, when we were talking about uh, deity deity being always present i i have this tendency to personify things mm -hmm. um and so maybe that's why deity is so easy for me because you know I can personify anything and I've personified that rotten little bastard that got me into trouble so much as a kid um, that rotten little bastard that was my my learning disability that I didn't have a name for um, kind of hiding there in the shadows um, 
now I can get to know uh, that rotten little bastard and, and get to be friends with him. Um, he's not such a rotten little bastard after all. Um, he's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really blessed that uh, I have access to things, different ways of thinking. Um, and, uh, and those different ways of thinking and different ways of interacting with the mystical and, and physical world are, are, uh, are something I'm becoming more and more grateful for. Um, so in, in a sense, I'm kind of relaxing into it. Uh, with, without, without getting too personal, uh, would you mind going into a little bit more visceral detail about what that, what that means for you? Um, of, what, of, what, that, what that experience is? Of, of, of uh, uh, the, 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 the experience of autism? Yes. Okay. Um, um, you know, I, I, so much of my interactions with uh, what I now call neurotypical people um, in my childhood were about people wanting me to be, to fit their mold of how I should be. Um, and in a lot of ways, squelching um, those natural tendencies to uh, think wildly and creatively and outside the box and what box. Um, so knowing that um, all of those people were wrong <laughs> and they can just go bugger off um, has kind of been a helpful thing of I don't have to justify uh, being weird. Um, it's just how I am. Um, I don't have to justify um, my, my weird tics and, and quirks because that's what I am. Um, and what I am is uh, wildly creative. Um, and I really like that part of me. So um, he's not so much a rat bastard anymore as, uh, as uh, my friend. Right on. So I've, so I've asked a lot of a lot of questions, and uh, we've kind of gone in a couple different directions. Tangents? What would <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tangents directions? Yeah, tomato tomato. I like, I like uh, tangents. <laughs> um, I just I think guess I'd like to to come back to the the central question of what art as creative magic feels like. Mm. But what art what, what's creative magic? You started to say. What does that feel like? Sorry. What does that feel like? Yeah. Um, but it, what is what is what is magical about art? What is art about magic? And how does it all feel in the doing? <laughs> that one. I, that's a tough question to tease apart. Um, what is magical about art? Um, for centuries, well, for millennia. Um, art and magic have been linked. Um, uh, the creation of fetishes and um, uh, representations of, of gods and goddesses and ideas and archetypes. Um, th there's something very magical about um, bringing, bringing an object into manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's in a lot of ways in my mind as an artist it's it's better than you know movie magic 
mm -hmm. um, of you know snapping your fingers and and having something appear um, but bringing it through me and creating an original object that's never been seen before um, that's never existed before um, god that's that's some pure fucking magic right there um, I don't know how to explain it any better than that um, uh, did I hit on anything? No, no, it's, a, it's a, I'm just, no. I'm, it's kind I'm, of the shotgun method into that's <laughs> that's, that's allowed. That's allowed. No, it, it, it's a hard, weird question. Yeah. Right. Um, I guess we before we go to our uh, ultimate our ultimate question, is there anything else you'd like to say about art or your process or mm. the meaning of art? Um, I know we talked about this in the pre-talk about. Um, have I mentioned it being a, a drug? Uh, as your favorite drug, in fact. Yes, it is my uh. it is my favorite drug. Um, there is something about the process that um, about the experience that I I chase I chase like a junkie, um, and uh, I I do have an addictive personality. It's been proven over and over again. But um, my favorite my favorite drug of choice is creativity and making that 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 feeling you get right here in your solar plexus and your mm -hmm. heart and um, when it starts bubbling up and um, uh, creates this well of energy that you know just like temple of doom <laughs> and all of a sudden there's fire shooting out of your belly um, yeah that thing my sad deprived listeners can't see the face or gesture you just made. <laughs> Well, at least there was a there was a sound effect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, it's good shit, man. It's good shit. Let's uh, let's bring this to a close okay. with. Uh, what is the strangest, most out of this world thing that you have seen or experienced? That was the hardest question that you emailed me, and I don't know that I have come up with a good answer. Um, the thing is, at this point in my life, I have normalized talking, I, I normalized two-way conversation with rocks, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I, I talk to dead people, um, and they answer me, and uh, I've had disturbing and wonderful conversations with gods and other archetypes. Um, so everything, although that's really relative, you know, um, there are manifestations of, of magic and energy that I find pretty cool and, um, I'm, I'm told I'm good at it. Um, and, and maybe it's, it's when other people tell me what they see when I'm doing the magic or when I'm making the art. Um, I remember one friend of mine who wasn't particularly open or awake um, I was doing some healing work on someone and uh, later they had, they confided in me it's like how weird it was because um, as they were watching me do this they were seeing purple sparks fly off my fingertips and I'm like dude I wish I could see purple sparks I don't get to see purple sparks <laughs> um, so 
Yeah, weird is, is normalized and weird is relative. Um, I've had gods manifest themselves in front of me. I suppose that's pretty weird for the, for the average person. Um, yeah, so I still don't know if I can answer that question. What's the weirdest, oddest thing I've ever seen? Or Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. I, I feel that. I feel that. Do you have any? Do you have any ongoing projects now that you uh, would like to share with everybody? Um, links to be provided in the show notes as uh, as needed. Um, <laughs> um, mostly, my art has lately been focusing on on work uh, and stuff with the store. Um, I showed you a preview of what I'm working on, which I suppose is not really a secret anymore. Um, should I? I don't know. Is that a secret? Uh, um, I'm working on. Um, well, let's not get you in trouble. Oh, let's That's not, get not me what in I'm trouble. here for. Okay. <laughs> um, I won't talk about the thing I'm working on for work because it it will be unveiled in November, and you'll have to wait till then. Uh -huh. um, I, some of the things that I get excited about are a project that I do for Aquarius, and Barbara is very good at allowing me to have free reign and and go a little crazy. You know, free reign within within certain uh, parameters, but yeah. Um, as for things I'm doing at home, um, I just bought some uh, open acrylic paint today because I want to do some printmaking techniques that I've not tried before. Um, and recently I did uh, uh, some solar prints, essentially blueprints from sketches. Um, and that's fun, but again, it's always learning something new. Right on, right on. Well, John, thank you so much for uh, coming and talking to me. Yes, and, yes, thank uh, you. And everybody else, I will catch you on the flip side.